0: Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end. With friends we never want to leave, over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, what is going on? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James! I am super excited to be kicking it with you all here today. My friends, I have a favor to ask you. Yeah, that's right. I'm coming in asking early, all right? Uh, But (laughs) here's what I would love for you to do. If you could think of one other person that you think might be interested in this show, could you do me a favor and send it to them? And just let them know, hey, I got this ridiculous bearded guy that I listen to. He has some cool questions. He makes some cool jokes. Uh, But I think it could be a show that's interesting. to you now we're trying to spread this community and it is way better to do it through friends of friends than it is through facebook ads uh because otherwise i have to put you all in boxes and try to figure out what my niche is and i'm just not ready to do that uh so but i would love if you think you think of a friend that would be interested in this show it would be really special if you could pass it on to them my friends because we need more people here in the diner and i'm super excited to be here in the diner with you Also with us today, my man Harlan Cohen. Harlan is someone who I have known about for a number of years and a a man who has recently come into my life as a friend and I'm really excited that we transitioned from I've heard of him to oh wow, we talk and it's really special. He is a New York Times bestselling author, casual. He's a speaker and he is a self-proclaimed and also proclaimed by others Including all of his exes to be a rejection expert. Um, but he is, uh, we're going to talk all about what that means and what that looks like. He's authored seven books, has sold over a million copies of said books. His latest one is called Win or Learn The Naked Truth About Turning Every Rejection Into Your Ultimate Success. The one potentially that put him on the map is called The Naked Roommate and 107 other issues you might run into in college. He is a leadership expert. He's an expert on grit and resilience and navigating change. He is also... A man from Chi Town, Chicagoland in the building, most definitely here. And I'm super excited for him to be here. And he's gonna tell us about his dogs and his three kids and his wonderful wife and yada yada yada. Enough with the intros, my friends. Let's get my man out here right now, Harlan Cohen. Hey James, it's good to see you, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. I got my mug.
1: I got some fresh. Is this today's coffee? (laughs) Sometimes I've got old coffee on my desk. And I think this is today's. My, okay. I've got mugs that look alike.
0: Yeah, I don't know yeah. about you. Do you still drink the coffee, even if it was yesterday's? Or do you take <laughs> a sip and be like, that was yesterday's? You know, my limit is I'll drink it up to like
1: five, <laughs> like from the morning. These cups, they say that they're good for 24 hours. Sure, yeah. But then I find after like 24 hours, my um, I use, uh, what do I use? I use uh, silk. I use like almond milk. And I find it gets a little crusty. Uh, it tends to crust over at around hour 36.
0: Yeah. It's funny because uh, my underwear is silk, and I have the same issue after 24 hours. It gets a little crusty, and it just, just doesn't work. And so, yeah, I think it's important that we rotate.
1: Yeah. No, those are great points. Good pointers. I always, <laughs> I always get something out of Diner Talk, and I'm glad I got my gem so early.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. You're welcome. You're welcome. Hey, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> harlan uh you're right the show is called diner talks i'm curious you are uh you are in chicago right now chicago a lot of great late night eateries one of my favorite being the wiener circle one of the best mm-hmm. named locations as well and just outstanding hot dogs um, and they also make fun of you which i really love um but uh but a lot of really great late night eater spots in in chicago do you fancy yourself a late night meal every once in a while and if so do you have a guilty <laughs> pleasure? Dude, it's. I think guilty is the word because I am like
1: I'm a late night eater. I had a physical the other day and um, I'm doing all right. You know, like I've been working to try and just be fit and be you know healthy. And uh, the doctor said, doctor said I'm doing all right. And said, uh, you know, you could eat dinner, you could even have dessert, but then fast, right? Like mm. don't eat anything the rest of the night. That just doesn't work for me. And now <laughs> every time I eat after dinner's over. Like last night, for example, I had some deep dish pizza. <laughs> mm, sure, sure. <laughs> it's not a good choice. <laughs> I actually I actually looked it up because I, I do. I'm like a little obsessed with like eating and food. And, and, you know, I was an overweight kid and I just, I can't, it's just part of me. And uh, I was looking up my Giordano's because my, my kid likes Giordano's. Classic. And um, they're deep dish. I like their deep dish. And it was like, I, I, I looked up how, how many calories a whole pie was. Mm-hmm. and um, do you want to guess an extra large cheese, an extra large cheese if I ate the whole thing? I don't know if you ever do this. Sometimes I'll eat stuff and I'll look at the package and I'll be like, what would it be like if I ate the whole thing? Because <laughs> you can do the math. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, that would be yeah. 1,400 calories. Am I going to eat the whole thing? I don't, sometimes. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what do you think of, uh, a deep dish, how many calories do you think a deep dish, Giordano's, Chicago-style cheese pie is?
0: The whole pie. Uh, the whole pie I'm going to guess is around, uh, I'm going to say 18,000 calories. Wow. You would be so excited to know that the cheese, the, the, the,
1: the large cheese was 50, about 5,200 calories. Eat the whole cheese. 5,200. Right. Like you're like, I could have the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What have I been doing? Why have I been stopping? Right. Like eighteen thousand. It's funny, like how you've made five thousand 5100 seem like not a lot. But then anyway, they cut it into 12 I really pieces. ruined your story there. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> they, cut, they cut it into twelve pieces. So anyway, each piece is like four hundred calories. Cause I was doing the math because I was like, who just eats one piece? Yeah. And so then for your late night the late night eat becomes you know like probably eating like two two of the little pieces yeah. anyway and then the guilty part comes in because i know i shouldn't be eating that but it's so delicious
0: yeah yeah for sure and shame is shame's a cozy thing to sleep next to at night uh and especially with a full stomach <laughs> yeah but you know so anyway i
1: enjoyed it. it was fine i'm over the shame part let's just move on there's another place oh what is the place it's so good it's um there's a a I don't know if you know these like taco joints in Chicago. There's like these amazing like world famous like,
0: taco joints in Chicago. They're <laughs>
1: dives. You go there at like two in the morning. They're like on the corner of like some street and some street. Oh yeah. Okay. There's the sign looks like you know a friend made it, uh, and it's was made thirty years ago. And uh, what's the place? I'm looking it up on my phone because it's so good. And um, it's um I don't want to get the guy's name wrong. Uh, so,
0: I mean, so far the specifics you provided would get me right to where I need to go. So yeah, don't get the guy's name wrong. I'm going to tell you that. Okay. You know, okay. Smart
1: guy. If you are in Chicago and you go out, you get off on Belmont. Okay. Mm -hmm. Get off on Belmont and take Mm -hmm. Belmont East from the highway. Cause I know you're up in the twin cities. You can get on 94. You get off and you go East on Belmont and you take it to, uh, you take it to, uh, uh, what, another street? <laughs> no, I know the street, man. It's just past Western. And, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm giving to you right now. Cause I'm gonna, I want everyone to go there. Cause this place is so good. It's so good. And no one would, you know, most people would drive by it and they're like, I'm not eating there. This place looks like a dive. I think we all. I think we can admit,
0: Harlan, with how much traveling you and I've done, the best places to eat in the country are the places that look like they're falling over. Because the only thing holding them up is a combination of grease and love, and that's all I need in order to eat a great meal. Here we go. Okay.
1: Here we go. So I'm gonna. I'll be able to. I'll be able. It's Tony's Burrito Max. Tony's. (laughs) I don't know if you can see this. Tony's Burrito Max. Okay.
0: Tony's burrito max okay yeah
1: see this Mex. max max or max it's burrito max, max. and this M-E-X. place and it's like i know i'm screwing up the focus here but this is like what you get right yeah. and you get these like amazing tacos and i want to say the, there's an oh i can show you that here's the sign okay see that sign i don't, I don't know if you guys know. can see it but you kind of get the idea but anyway this place this place is so good and they're open late. You know, you go to Wiener Circle. I like Wiener Circle too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the fries are okay. I've been going to Wiener Circle forever. Yeah. Tony's burrito max, my kids. I've got a 15 year old, I got a 12 year old, I got a seven year old. And and when we're driving through the city, they go, Could we go to Tony's burrito max? It was 12 30 at night. I live in the suburbs and they go, Hey, could we drive downtown to go to Tony's? <laughs> I'm like, it's 12 30. No. I mean, it would have been fun. I was thinking, how yeah. cool would that be? And an adventure, yeah. And do it. I like, I like that place. Very authentic.
0: Yeah. So you put them to bed and then you drove down and <laughs> absolutely.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Have my guilty pleasure. But there's all those little joints. You're right, James. I mean, when we're on the road, you find those little dives, and uh, I dig it, man. You know, I go, mm-hmm. I sit by myself, I experiment with the food. I like things spicy. Mm-hmm. I had the best Indian food just outside. Of the Catskill Mountains in New York, I was driving from one place to another, and it was some Indian joint, and it was like it was called like the Spice Box or something like that. And and I went into this place, and it was man, my taste buds were happy; they were doing a dance. This was the most delicious food I've ever had in my life. It was hot, it was good, it was yeah. fresh. And I said to them, I go like, how do you how is your food so good? And they said, we actually have a place in New York City just outside of Kennedy airport. And uh, it's like a little joint there. And this is their other one
0: mm-hmm. in like
1: upstate New
0: York and uh legendary. That's incredible. And an unrelated note, Spice box is actually my drag queen name. Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was you. Yeah, that's me. Now we, you know. We've and known you know. each
1: other a lot longer than, you know, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Now, d- here's the thing: I'm a New Yorker, and so let's 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 have a quick moment of honesty, okay? Deep dish pizza should be called a tomato parfait, right? It's not pizza. Like pizza is a a, a, a flat, a thin crusted, you know, Napoleona style, and uh, and so I mean, don't get me wrong, I love deep dish. I just don't think it's pizza.
1: You know what, James, I respect you. And I've learned over the years that I can be right without other people agreeing with me. Mm. Um, I don't need to, I don't need other people to know I'm right to know that I'm right. Mm. And in this situation, I can tell just the way you brought this up. It was kind of, it was confrontational, but in a very, you know, you were, you were kind of friendly, you, but you, you were, you were slinging swords and you, you know, uh, but I can just tell you, mm-hmm. it is pizza.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's delicious. We, we there's lots of different forms of pizza. Yeah, I love New York style pizza. I don't know why you have to go there. So this <laughs> is thing. Like we're friendly. This is a friendly conversation, and I don't know what the what the underlying purpose of this is. But you you knew what you were going to get. One hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Sure. You knew it, man. Yeah. But it is. It's. I think that New York style pizza is amazing, mm-hmm. and I love. Uh, I love, I love deep dish. I like, I like all different kinds yeah. and I don't need, it's like, I like the cubs and the socks. Right. Woo! What kind of human being am I?
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: That's I grew up more controversial. Right. Well, you know, it's like, why do I have to hate one? Why can't I just like them both? Why do I have to, 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 uh, you know, downgrade something yeah. demean something like, why do you demean deep dish pizza? Why are you so angry?
0: Mm. Uh, actually I actually have a therapy appointment later and I'll get back to you on that things have shifted
1: things have, you know I'm just yeah I'm just I'm just being playful but I, I a lot of people feel that way and you know what yeah. I respect them I think they probably had a bad experience maybe they burnt their mouth mm. um, maybe they had a stomach ache maybe there was it's something that happened that was off-putting and they blame it on the deep dish but yeah. but it's a it's a it's a very it's a unique specialty, and, a, and I agree with you. It is like a
0: souffle, but yeah. there's something really um, it's delicious, man. I, I think I am here for uh, I'm here for deep dish. It is delicious. Yeah. And Giordano's, Lou Malnati's, uh, Uno Due, There's so many great spots around, yeah. uh, for sure. So I'm 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 here for it. Now here's 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 a wondering a place where I'm wondering if we can agree or, or disagree. What are your thoughts on pineapple on pizza? You know,
1: I think I need to take stronger stances but i think if someone really likes that pineapple on the pizza then then they should have that pineapple on the pizza i'll take right. a bite of it and i think it also depends on the day you mm. know like sometimes you just don't want that sweet on top of your on top of your pizza but sometimes you need that it's a little you know it's a, it's a little bit of a of a of a tangy exciting mm. uh, boost to sure. it so i get it's it it's
0: both fat acid heat it's got that acid in it yeah but i'll never order it no.
1: never but mm. i will but if it's out there I'll be like, "Huh? Oh, why does someone like this? Yeah,
0: oh, I'll, t- I'll try this. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I'm 100% going to taste something before I judge you. Um, And then after that, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'm not investing. Uh, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to order it. What about you? I don't believe that fruit belongs on pizza, and I'm not here for the people that are now going to chime in and tell me, well, James, it's a who is the fruit. Okay. No one likes that person. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't believe that pineapples uh, or other fruits belong on pizza. You have very
1: hard, like, you've got these. I respect that, James, because I think one of the things that I need to do more of is have strong opinions. Mm. You know, I tend to waffle. I tend to be uh, more open, and and sometimes I don't even know how I feel about things. Which is an interesting sensation, because how could I not know? But like, I don't always know. And I'm really working hard to to have strong opinions like you. And I think that's why I had that reaction with the deep dish with you being so strongly against it, is it had nothing to do with you, James, it had everything to do with me and my own insecurities.
0: (laughs) That's, uh, that is, that's a fascinating thing to unpack. And it's, it's also interesting that you bring it up because I believe that I'm a giant accommodator. And so there are things that I think that are funny to have very strong opinions on just for the sake of sparking dialogue, right? And so, like, and just for the sake of needling a little bit, a playful needle, right? Like, I love deep dish. I just don't think it's pizza. Um, and so, because I'm a biased New Yorker, right? And if I was a New Yorker who liked the, the Mets and the Yankees, people would be like, who raised this kid over here? What's going on with this guy? Okay, hey, pal, what's happening over here? Right. Right. And right. so like and so like having having an opinion is uh, is a way of sparking conversation in in I think a playful way, right? And I don't necessarily come in uh with all my gunslinging, I I believe I'm a, an accommodator. Actually, um, I'm going to two on an enneagram. If that means anything to anybody right. listening, but right and so I am someone who is in deep desire for people to like me. But one of the ways I get people to like me is by immediately establishing a sense of play with them.
1: Mm. Mm. Yes, and 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 I feel like we've been playing, and um, this gentle play has made me like you more. Thank you. So, so it has it has been effective. It it is. But I I understand what you're saying, and, and and I agree with that. And I was actually reflecting while you were were sharing that, you know, maybe I'm shortchanging myself because by being uh, vulnerable and saying that I like the Cubs and the Sox, you know, that is an opinion. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a very brave stance, because some people will reject me. Because they think there's no way that somebody could like both, and yeah. I have a story behind it. But then also, there's the part of, you know, I actually was was telling you how I how I felt when you were disparaging to deep dish pizza. I didn't mm-hmm. keep it a secret and just tell my wife later what an a hole James is <laughs> because he doesn't like he doesn't think deep dish pizza is pizza. So I actually. I'm <laughs> going to reflect and say, you know, I feel very brave that I was able to do that. Yeah. And I was able to express
0: an opinion. So maybe I do have opinions. Huh. This is enlightening. Well, I'm glad we got our full circle here. And I agree with you. You did. I mean, it is possible to like both. Uh, and, and that is, I would say that that is a unusual opinion. Therefore would spark a conversation. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So yeah, there's Absolutely. nothing, no shame in that. None at all. As someone who does not have opinions, like, are you someone who, uh, like around the house or, And let's, let's, let's talk about it in, in your marriage. Um, are you someone that is, uh, Constantly passing decisions on to somebody else and having them decide it? Or I think I need
1: to pull back on that because I, you know, I think it's more of like, it's more of like when there's very big news. Okay. Mm -hmm. I tend not to have emotional reactions. I like to temper the emotions and I like to process information before sharing a very specific opinion or thought. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I can't express them, it's that in the moment I like to process what's happening. So, you know, for example, if my wife is very upset about something, yeah. you know, my reaction would be, okay, that's really interesting. Uh, you know, I want to understand the whole story, you know, and that sometimes yeah. is is very upsetting because things can be black and white. And yeah. how could I not be upset if someone's upset? Because clearly there's a reason to be upset. But when it comes down to me as a researcher and a journalist, I like to get all the different information to understand and contextualize what's happening. And you could see even this answer is annoying. Like the fact that I can't just give a response with, mm-hmm. so I've gotten really good at this. And this, and this these are like, <laughs> I think these are strengths because the thing is emotional reactions, most of the time when we reflect on them 24 hours later, we probably would react differently once mm-hmm. we process that information. So I tend not to do that, but 24 hours later, I'll process and I'll have an opinion. Like I tell my wife the hardest part James of, ma- of being married for me is being a pleaser okay being a pleaser and upsetting my wife because throughout we've been married now for uh many years for lots of years we've been married we've been married for 17 years 17 years and and I love her more than ever I like her more than ever cuz likes more important than love Sure. Right? I like, I like hanging with her. I think she's interesting. I really dig her. But the problem in the beginning is she's strong. She's a strong woman with strong opinions. Yeah. And if I offered an opinion that wasn't one that was favorable or what she wanted, it would upset her. And over the years I've learned that love is about sharing how I really feel giving my partner permission to act or react however my partner is going to respond and just offering that out of respect and not requiring my partner to react one way or another. And that has really enabled me to really align with what's important to me and to be able to express that clearly and to also be able to listen and make information not emotional. Information is data. And I try really hard to separate the emotion. So that's where having those strong opinions that are emotionally driven, Mm -hmm. I tend to not be great at doing that because it doesn't feel good, but I'm really great at processing and offering a very specific set of guidelines and
0: advice. Yeah. I love the way that you dissected that. And I think it is... I think there's an interesting mix because a word that you didn't use at any point, I'm not saying that doesn't mean it does not apply to you or who you are in your relationship, but a word that didn't come up is empathy. Um, And empathy is a really powerful emotion to be able to give someone in the moment, right? It helps someone feel seen, feel heard, feel not crazy, feel okay, feel enough, feel whatever, right? Like a lot of really powerful emotions when we're able to empathize with somebody. But the way that you were just describing it, if you jumped straight into empathy, that would be an emotional move, not an informational move. And so therefore you would pull back. It's not to say that you are never empathetic, but you, it sounds like you, there are times where you delay empathy potentially to the chagrin of your partner.
1: You know, I think that that was something that happened earlier in the relationship. And by listening, I became much better Mm -hmm. at jumping to empathy. But the empathy is more of, I'm noting that this is an emotional situation, you know. I can reflect that it's emotional. I can be empathetic without being emotional. I can recognize that this is a really hard situation you're in. Uh, you know, when I'm interviewing people, when I'm when I'm doing events, when I'm interacting, and someone tells me something horrible, I don't just go, "Oh, that's information. It's not emotional." Uh, the reaction is that is incredibly painful, and for you to be able to share that right now at this at this time in this place is incredibly courageous. I don't I couldn't do that. And that's, you know, and and it's being authentic and true and it's reflecting on the emotion that's being shared, but it's also not getting caught in the emotion so that I can be a bystander and help to really flush out the story and also connect with the person I'm talking with mm-hmm. so that they feel comfortable and safe. So, yeah. you know, I have so much empathy. It's just a matter of untangling myself from the emotion and not letting the emotion take charge of me and my actions. And of course, there are times when I, I get very emotional. I, I get, you know, i am short tempered and uh, you know, I'm, I'm totally imperfect, but recognizing the role of emotions. There's a great book by, um, Oh, Mark, what's his name? It's, it's about emotional intelligence. And uh, it's, it's so
0: good because
1: uh, understanding emotion, what, uh, what
0: intersection is it at?
1: Oh man, I know it's, it's the corner of Belmont and another street. There's a bookstore and you can see Mark's book. I know it's like uh, the the beauty of this is I could, I could look it up real quickly and uh, and um, Mark Brackett. This is great, man. I just love it. Mark Brackett. And the book is permission to feel. Mm. And it's a wonderful book because what it does is it really helps us to understand our emotions so we don't become our emotions. Mm. We can process them and reflect and note them, but then we can make decisions and interact in ways where that emotion isn't the the single driving force. And and that's you know, you know, it's interesting because when I reflect on on our conversation, you know, I, I think that there's a mixed message that I, that someone could get away of like how I communicate in terms of like having opinions and not having opinions, but I have very strong opinions. I just don't tend to base them on, on, I don't let my emotional reactions be what dictates my response.
0: Yeah. I'm wondering, you know, sometimes when people don't share emotions very quickly or very readily, there are ways where they, they, one of the reasons why people do it sometimes is for what you just described, um, <clears throat> and and how you are, where you know I would need more information and whatnot. Another reason why people sometimes don't react emotionally is because they've been burned before, or there is a fear of letting their emotions out. Right, vulnerability is scary, uh, and you are a vulnerable individual. You've been vulnerable on this call already, but it is. Uh, I'm wondering for you, when did you learn? when did you learn this technique or were you as like a young child being like, Hmm, I'm feeling emotions about my truck being taken away. And should I <laughs> cry? Should I, uh, I wonder why they took it away. Right. Like, was this something yeah. that this was natural to you or is this something that you learned because of an event or a series yeah. of events? That's a, that's a really terrific question. And,
1: you know, I think, I think that it's probably connected to just uh, a childhood of, of feeling intense rejection and feeling disconnection and feeling an incredible amount of pain and trying to find ways to hide the pain, uh, through humor, through food. You know, mm-hmm. I mentioned before, you know, here I am an adult, uh, you know, talking about the calories of a pizza and how, when I look at it, I think how much, how many calories would it be if I ate the whole thing? I mean, you know, that's just, that's, that's rooted in a long history of having a, uh, a strange relationship with food and an uncomfortable relationship with my body Mm -hmm. and, uh, being connected to, you know, being like a really overweight kid. And, you know, I had a a few friends and, you know, my, my friend was like the guy who played hockey, who was really attractive and all the girls would talk to me and I was excited. And then they, they would ask if he's dating anyone, you know, I was the sidekick friend and, and I would, and I would you make people laugh. And I was really good at making people like, I could be really funny because that's how I was able to hide that. And when I'm funny, I don't have to have opinions when I'm funny. uh, I know how people feel Uh, when I'm funny. I can create that connection. So when it comes to being emotionally uh, driven and vulnerable, I would find ways to uh, suppress it, find ways to hide it, find ways to cover it up. Um, And I got really good at also then recognizing the feelings like there's a, I've been doing a lot of uh, meditation lately.
0: Are you a meditator? Uh, I have meditated I've been in and out in my practice, but I when I yeah. when I do it, I'm a better person yeah it's 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 cool stuff.
1: I, I like uh, Mickey Singer, Michael Singer it's a wonderful book called The Untethered Soul and, uh, and then he's got a uh, the surrender experiment and I really like his teachings and and you know so much of of med- meditation is is noting is is recognizing how we are feeling, being able to label our emotions, because when you're able to label them, you aren't them. Mm-hmm. And I think as an early coping mechanism, I was really good at labeling them and even being aware, um, You know, trying to understand what people were feeling and why they were feeling, trying to understand why I was feeling. I mean, this is why I wrote an advice column for 20 years. Uh, This is why I write the books I do because I like to be a reporter on emotion. I like Mm -hmm. to understand them, and and um, to me, that's much more important than politics or 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 not important. It's much more interesting and engaging. I mean, if you look at our headlines, I mean, people care more about relationships and 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 you know drama and breakups and and you know whether my ears and makeup and physical appearances and all that than, than anything else. So anyway, it's been, it's been that of really noting i remember uh i was mugged at one point hmm. um oh this is almost like a poem i was mugged at one point at gunpoint <laughs> 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 it's so fun What <laughs> <Mugged laughs> at one point at gunpoint walking down the street um running really fast on my feet. Uh, So no, what happened is I was with a buddy and we were, we were walking to a bar. It was like 1030 at night and it was in a a residential neighborhood and somebody, uh, we walked by someone and, and um, the guy, like he walked into like, he like kind of hung out in front of another building and my friend kept walking and I turned around and I'm like, I'm help me Harlan. Like, that's my advice column name. Like, I want to help people. So I turned and I'm like, I'm like, hey, you know, you know, what's going on? Can I help you? And the guy turned around and pulled out a gun. And he said, this is a stick up. Like, it's almost like he read it from like, (laughs) I was like,
0: like, like, wait, is this like really happening? It was a gun. He read read robbing robbing people uh, for dummies. That's exactly what it was like.
1: It was crazy, man. And my friend was like two houses up because he had kept walking. He didn't know I stopped. So he saw what was going on and he ran. Good, good. (laughs) Which, I mean, could you fault the guy? What's he supposed to do? So anyway, he ran. And, uh, and then this dude's like, he goes, um, get on the ground. Okay. And then he goes, where's your wallet? And I go, and I said, you know, it's in my, it's in my back pocket. And then I said, I said, take my watch. Cause I wanted to like, my watch is here. Cause I had a nice watch. I had like no yeah. money. And I was, I thought he was gonna be disappointed. So I wanted him to have something. So I think <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to piss him off. I'd like no money. I'd like maybe yeah. like 20 bucks it was the wrong guy to rob. And then, uh, and then, um, I said, take my watch. And he goes, shut the F up. That's what he said. So I did. I listened. And, um, it was really interesting. Cause at that moment, my reaction wasn't like, Oh my gosh, like I'm so upset. This is so, this is so horrible. I was like, wow, this is what it's like to get mugged. I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is what it's like to have someone, you know, holding me a gunpoint. And I was like, I wonder what it'd feel like to get shot. You know, I wonder what it was like this crazy thing of like noting the experience. And yeah. it's like, and it goes back to that, like, I don't know, man. Like, my reaction isn't emotional. It's just like, whoa, this is interesting. This is crazy. It's never happened before. So then he said, Count to a hundred when he was done. I'm telling you, this guy was like, it was like <laughs> <laughs> it was the it was like the worst mugging. I mean, it was it was saved and great, but like he said, count to a hundred. So I'd be like. 1 2 there I got to 7 or t- or 10 or whatever. I heard a car screech and a door slam and he drove away. And then um and then it was crazy cuz I then I like got up. I didn't count to a 100. I made it to maybe 15. And I was like 15. you were a rule follower. Well, you know, it's like <laughs> I figured he was gone. At like 15, it's like, okay. anywhere there. So then yeah. I I got up and um it was like an, a a good neighborhood and I mean, I ran down the street and, um, some people were getting in their car and I like, like went in their car and I'm like hitting the window. I'm like, let me in, help me out. And they're like rolling their windows, locking their doors. <laughs> like they want nothing to do with this guy. I'm like, I was just mugged. Anyway, then my friend came down the street. It was a one way street, the other way in a cop car. And I got in the car and, uh, and I still was like, I still was like dazed by the whole thing. And they're like, what happened? And I'm like, and I explained, I'm like, you took my wallet. I go, they goes, what was in your wallet? I said, I had a coffee card. And I was one punch away from a free mug. <laughs> <laughs> I really was. I was one punch away. And he took the, the guy took my took my wallet. But anyway, that that was such an interesting story because it was this thing of being aware. And and I thought there was something wrong with me, but what I've learned through you know mindfulness and through meditation and through so much of this training. It's that that awareness is a good thing. That awareness isn't doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. Uh, That awareness helps me to be able to assess in a way where I can really measure the different sides and come to an opinion that really reflects, uh, you know, true my my spirit. What a story. (laughs) I've never (laughs) shared that. I haven't shared that story. I haven't shared that story publicly. I've I shared it once in a while. Oh, then what happens is like after I was mugged, I was like, man, I got to be careful because if you get mugged once, people are like, wow, that's really horrible. But like when you get mugged twice, it's like, what's that Harlan doing? You know, like <laughs> I was like, you get one mug of sympathy. The second one, it's like, you know, what's the- Harlan's always getting mugged?
0: You know, it's just another classic time. Harlan, yeah. right. <laughs>
1: But yeah, those experiences, those big experiences. And I'd be curious to know other people, and and maybe even you know your experiences, your traumatic experiences. And we hear about this when people go through really emotional experiences; they're almost removed from their body as a way of coping, as well. But I don't know if you've experienced anything like that, James.
0: Uh, I have never been, uh, the, to my knowledge, mugged, um, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, I have had. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've had anything like car accidents, for sure. You kind of like, you're, it's like an out of body experience a little bit while it's happening. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think there have been times where I've gone through a breakup that it felt like I was like watching myself get broken up with. Right. Yeah. And like watching yeah. my heartbreak or watching their heartbreak. break. Uh, and it was, it was kind of weird to be, not present, but also fully aware of what was happening. Yeah. Um, so those kinds of things. Uh, I also, uh, when I was young, this is something that I've never uh, shared before, um, but when I was young and I'm talking like five, five years old, um, I got that. I was playing outside of my buddy's house and a, a gentleman uh, pulled up and uh, it was just kind of it was just kind of hanging out across the street and uh, and he said hey Kate come over here and i was you know I'm a i'm to this day if, if somebody asks for help you help them or or if you you know just I'm also a giant extrovert so I'm like a new friend let's go right um, and so i went over there and we wound up getting in the back of his car um and he, he touched me uh inappropriately um and then i got out and mm-hmm. then went back over to my friend's house um, and he drove away and uh and and my my friend's mom had saw this kind of go down a little bit and she was like "Who is that i was like i don't know um and uh he was a nice man and and but i knew a lot about cars and so when we went to the you know we obviously reported this gentleman and uh, when we went to the precinct i was like oh yeah he was driving a this year toyota uh tercel it was this color and uh, he had blank you know I forget what state license plates were on it and whatnot. And they wound up catching this guy based Uh on my description of the car, and he's a a previous offender and all that kind of stuff. And thank goodness nothing more happened to me. But in the moment, uh, in the moment, I didn't think anything of it. Right. Right. And to the point where it happened to me when I was so young that it doesn't impact me, um, which I am. uh, very atypical in that, right. There's a lot of trauma that yeah. happens um, in that, in that department. And I, I do not take this telling the story lightly, um, but that was a, that was something that I can kind of think back. And I like even like trying to put myself back in there to be like, do you have trauma from this? Yeah, um, And, and I just don't, um, it happened. I think when I was so young and naive and it, it wasn't, actually a negative experience right um and uh because it it was pretty quick and and whatnot but like that's another moment that i can think of that is that is somewhat similar to where i was i I remember not feeling like i was present in that moment if that makes sense like i felt like i was watching it happen yeah um and yeah it is fascinating it's a way that does. But, like you know, something you and I share in common is that we've done a lot of work in the educational market. Right. Um, and I can even remember this uh, with uh, with the number of really serious incidents that I had to deal with as an RA or as a, a hall director of a residence hall um, where I was really great in those moments because I was handling what was happening and making sure everything was getting taken care of and my emotions though i am a very unemotional man kind of stepped aside um, right. and like i'll feel these later and i was really great under pressure in these kind of serious situations i think it's why i'm good in conflict not um, yeah. because i have the ability to kind of separate a little bit in some of those moments
1: yeah yeah i i can relate to that and and just to to just revisit your story, you know, I know that there's so many people who who have dealt with similar situations who haven't shared, and um, you know, you share it very casually, and, yeah, I, and I know
0: I don't I don't yeah, and I don't uh, yeah, and it feels very weird, it is uh, yeah to share it so flippantly, but um, it's, it's but it,
1: I think that there's, I mean, there's lots of different ways to process that, and I'm just thinking of of, of anybody else because I think there's so much shame that so many people carry with them Mm -hmm. from things that have happened when they were younger and things that were out of our control. And to hear you say that this happened and it's something that you remember and it's something that you can reflect on. And it's something that you, you know, you just accept as being a part of you and it's just one part and you've moved and you, you've been able to, to work through that. I think there's, I think there's a lot of hope, with that as well and just i think there's lots of ways to look at it and i and i just think you know for you to share that and and to just offer offer that gives other people power and strength and you know it's just it's just what you do and who you are and why i'm so happy to have the chance to get to know you better uh, because i think that uh, just the world needs people who can be honest especially uh, i think men who can just be out there and say, you know, this is who I am. This is what happened. This is what continues to go on in my life. And, and, uh, and just in my own, in my own way of like, you know, my neuroses and my, my Mishigas, I was saying, you know, the Yiddish word of Mishigas of like <clears throat> this morning I put on my, my green pants. Mm-hmm. My green pants are the pants that tell me just how fat I am. <laughs> it's like, um, and where they fit, my <laughs> green pants are great. And, uh, they they fit okay. They fit good. I've, you know, I've been, I've been really trying to, I've been really working hard and and it's a lifelong journey and it's a beautiful journey and it's a journey I love. And I feel like I'm further along in this journey than ever before of just loving myself and being comfortable with myself and recognizing the things that are me, those imperfections are the beauty of who I am and, and being present and being able to note that as opposed to letting it overtake me Mm -hmm. and be something that then drives my storyline of oh i ate pizza at night i deserve to feel bad the next day it's like no you ate pizza at night because it's good and you're someone who deserves to be loved and you deserve light and no one deserves shame there yeah. isn't anyone i know like no one deserves to feel shame mm-hmm. but we're great at creating it and we're great at at, at uh at living it I have, a, I have a note that comes up on my phone that says uh uh, Tony's burritos open 24 hours. <laughs> That's how it comes out. It's, it's uh it's, it's my reminder that just says um, I will willfully engage in thoughts and activities that fill me with a sense of, of, of light. And it used to say, I won't engage in thoughts, activities or behaviors that fill me with shame. And I'm, I'm worthy and deserving of, of anything that I desire. And, and that we all are. And it was just this reminder that no one deserves shame. We don't deserve to feel shame. Uh, it doesn't serve a purpose. It just shuts us down and sends us backwards. But there's nobody who's listening who, who deserves to feel that or should feel that because of anything that's happened uh, or they've
0: experienced. So, yeah, just want to offer it, that. I that is beautiful, uh, extremely well put. Uh, if you need to hear that again, I encourage you to rewind it and play it one more time for the people in the back. But I know I needed to hear that. And I know that I, it's it's funny because it's something I need to hear. I need to be reminded of, yet I also frequently find it flying out of my mouth towards everyone else, yeah. right? Like the, uh, I, I jokingly say that Grace is, uh, is is a girl I met in high school and she wasn't really about me. Um, and so we haven't really hung out since, right? Like Grace is not a, a, a concept that I apply to myself. And right it's interesting. Sometimes, um, especially as men, we don't talk about what we deserve, right? And and what we deserve, and especially about this idea of deserving peace, deserving happiness, deserving self-awareness, deserving grace, deserving love, deserving those kinds of things. You know, a lot of times when men talk about deserving, it quickly gets turned into a conversation about privilege and power, rightfully so, not because there's a lot of men who think they deserve things um, that they do not just because they are men. And so it's very important. I'm trying to distinguish between those two uh, because they are very different. Uh, But when it comes to emotionally deserving self-love, that Mm -hmm. is something that I know I struggle with self-worth. And even in my counseling session that happened earlier this week, you know, My counselor asked me to kind of picture what my dream day would be where I I wasn't self-loathing or I wasn't, uh, you know, just like worried about what I needed to worry about or, or all those kinds of things. You know, what is one thing that I would need to do in order to get to a day like that? Yeah. And the answer that I came up with was forgive myself. Yeah. And I am the last person who I forgive uh, right. And yes, you know the whole oxygen mask on the plane analogy. I get it, Harlan. I get it. But I'm putting Yeah, right.
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> not say that to you. Uh,
0: but you know, a lot of people talk about it, and I yeah. know, I know in my heart that as many flights as I have been on, if I'm riding on that flight with my baby or my wife, I'm putting their mask on first. I just know it. Um, yeah. and and i and, uh, uh, and, and so it's very fascinating to think about these concepts that you just spoke of because they are something that it is so easy to teach someone else it is a whole nother thing to believe yourself
1: yeah it's it's a hard thing i, I i've been in therapy and I've really loved it it's been you know just life-changing but um this idea of being addicted to shame you know I think there's a lot of people who don't want to eliminate shame, because shame is a friend, shame serves a purpose, shame sets us into motion, where we're able to perform a routine that we're so good at performing, and it's safe, and it's comfortable, and it's predictable, and we know how it's going to end. And there's something that's really wonderful about knowing uh, how to shame yourself, you know, so that you can protect yourself from other people shaming you, or you can pass the time uh, not acknowledging the things that really matter, that are really important to you, that are really bothering you. So this experiment that I conducted in my own life was uh, keeping track of every moment during a day where I shamed myself. Um, could mm-hmm. I actually shut down the shame factory? Because there's two factories. There's that, there's that uh, dream factory and there's the shame factory. Mm-hmm. But the dream factory can't run at the same time as the shame factory. They each run on their own clock. Mm-hmm. So it was imagining during that day how much time am I spending shaming myself? Would have, could have, should have measuring myself based on other people's uh, lives and you know social media, the drip of, of of the world and what I'm not doing and should be doing and other people's accomplishments. Uh, so I, I actually kept track of this, and and the goal was could I live an entire day, an entire week without having my shame factory just you know, pump and, and, and create. And, and that's what I still am working on. And I've gotten really good. I've gotten so much better. Yeah. Because when you start to think of it, it's like, okay, why am I feeling shame? You know, because there's different things we do or say, or even conversations we have with people. Like I said earlier, when I talked to my wife, you know, I would know there's certain conversations that I could have certain things I would say that would create a response because we know probably 99% of the time when we're talking to people who are familiar in our lives, what the response is going to be. Mm -hmm. We know. And we know if we bring something up a certain way, we're gonna get a certain response. And sometimes we seek that response because we know that it's going to be something that's going to fuel the shame factory. So instead of actually responding a certain way, I would just not respond at all. I just wouldn't say, or I would process for a while and share. And with my kids, if the room's messy, you know, clean your room. It's, you know, please organize your stuff. Is, is a direction you know it's a directive. you know clean your room, organize your stuff. this place is this place is disgusting. Why am I ever going to want to buy you anything the way you treat your things? Well that's shame. That's the cherry. that's the shame, the shame cream, the shame cherry on top. Mm-hmm. So it was not only can I eliminate uh, engaging in ways that create shame in, in my life but also other people's lives. And it was this, it's this awesome experiment to think of like what do I really need to share? And then when you get down to our birthright, and I talk to, you know, we, we, we run in similar circles and we talk to lots of people from different backgrounds and people who have overcome incredible adversity, people who have been rejected before they've even been born, um, more so, you know, I'm a Caucasian male, which means that I've been born with privilege. And, and I recognize that, um, meaning that I'm going to be rejected less than other people. I'm going to be accepted more based on my appearance and 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 my my origin story. So this idea that this idea that you are not worthy and deserving based on how you look or where you're from is nonsense. Mm -hmm. And then we live in this world where people will shame one another because of where they're from and, and, and 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 start to make them believe this or reinforce this message. And they start the shame factory starts so early. So this idea that we have a birthright. The birthright is we're all deserving and worthy of what we want, regardless of where we're from, regardless of how we look, regardless of anything, it is our birthright. And once we recognize that, then shame becomes this thing that we can distance ourselves from and be like, why do I need to feel that? Because James, you're an amazing man. You're an amazing individual. I mean, you are light. You are love. You want to help people. You're an incredible father. You're an incredible partner. You are just a wonderful human being. Has helped people through the years. You're, you've been a servant. You serve. You help. You are deserving of everything that you desire because of just being a human being who's born. So shame serves no purpose other than to help us reflect on why we want to create it and feel it. And that's, I think, where the you know where the growing comes in. Yeah. That is, all.
0: It is indeed where the growing comes in. I love the the idea that the the shame factory and the dream factory cannot run at the same time. Uh, that's, uh, that's that's a powerful concept for me and. Because I think when we try to run that at the same time, we don't live, you know, going back to my my love of improv comedy, we can't live a yes and life. We're really living a yes but life because we're constantly that shame is coming in there saying, but you're probably not good enough, but you probably don't have enough followers, but you're not hot enough, but you don't have your shit together, right. but, you know, right? Um, and and so, uh, yeah, so they cannot run at the same time it's a is a really powerful concept
1: for sure. And I think that's the script that so many people are running is one of shame. And, you know, I I just touched on a little bit of the of just like the privilege piece. And, you know, I, I just, all I want in my, in, in my life is to help others to see that they're worthy and deserving and good enough and that they have people and places who can help them to get to where they want to go. It's just recognizing that that you are worthy and deserving. And when you encounter people and situations and and obstacles, specifically rejection, recognizing that rejection is part of the path. It's not a reflection of who you are, because rejection fuels the shame factory. Rejection is like the it's like uh you know high octane. It's 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 pure, man. It's like, you know, a a, a fast five-hour energy, whatever, whatever it is, it's like intense. And whenever we encounter rejection, it's like, it strikes up that shame factory. Mm -hmm. And, and there's so many associations with that. So the bigger goal of, you know, the books of the naked roommate of the speaking of just any of this, even this conversation is like, you know, we're all imperfect. We, we all uh, are working to create light and love and we, and we Mm -hmm. deserve to feel good and, and let's together, have dialogue and, and and converse and connect and share, so that we don't have to spend our time focused on things that aren't gonna get us to a better place, or or, or focus our time on being present, and just appreciating the beauty of what is.
0: Yeah, I completely completely agree with you. Uh, that is a world that I want to live in, and your optimism about it is not uh, is not just. Uh, bullshit positive psychology, right? Like there is a lot of, uh, of, of truth and beauty in it. You're not just forcing this. And I'm love that you also brought up the privilege piece as well, um, because uh, you know, you and I, as white men, uh, we don't have as many systems around us that are, that have been built to remind us that we are not blank enough, um, Mm -hmm. worthy enough, good enough uh, of, of anything. And so, uh, and so it is also easier for you and I to tell other individuals that you are worthy, you are good enough, uh, and don't let this, don't let the world hold you down, um, because we've had less crap to push through. Um, it doesn't make it any less true, um, but I think it's important that we have the conversation there as well. Yeah, uh, you know, and I, I get, I get even,
1: I get uncomfortable even talking about this stuff. You know, and I, but I, I mean, I, I brought it up because you know, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and and bringing this up is 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 just part of like what we do. Yeah. um and and I agree with you wholeheartedly, you know, the advantages and and the things that we've been given uh, just because of how we look, it's it's unfair. it's 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 not right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that i'm that I'm doing is uh, I spend a lot of time interviewing students. Um, I spend a lot of time interviewing professionals. I spend a lot of time interviewing people who have faced the systematic obstacles or the systemic obstacles. Mm-hmm. What's the right word? Sometimes my wife says, don't try to use fancy words. You can't yeah, really. I use like, them
0: both. And I don't ever know. I anymore. know, man,
1: I try, <laughs> but in our society, there, are, there are all of these obstacles and I love talking to people who have faced them, who have been able to overcome them, who have found the people are in their corner who have been able to advise them and guide them they found places where they can find acceptance because the opposite of acceptance is rejection mm-hmm. and so many of the so many of the, the problems are you know, people are rejected based on the you know ridiculous horrible nonsensical th- things and uh when you encounter that rejection how do you work through that and and as a white dude it's easy for me to say you know the things that that I said, but the thing that I love more than anything is talking to people who have lived it, mm-hmm. and and sharing and having them share their stories. And I've been I'm, I have this channel before college TV, and I talk to first generation underrepresented students, leaders, influencers, and it's the coolest thing, man. Because you know you can see the path, mm-hmm. like other people can see the path, and I also learn things that I never imagined and never understood and will never understand. But it helps me to be more informed and, of course, more empathetic. Um, mm-hmm. And I just dig it, man. I just, I love sharing it. I, I just, it's it's the most exciting thing I've ever done because it's, it's, serving, it's serving in a way of like, all right, if I deal with rejection, if people don't give me what I want, if people are going to be inherently unfair, the universal rejection truth is a law of nature. I was telling you before, it should be in the periodic table, the URT. The universal rejection truth says not everyone and everything is going to always respond to me, no matter, no matter what. The universal rejection truth says this, no matter who I am, no matter where I'm from, no matter how much I have or how little I have. And once I recognize the universal rejection truth, when someone doesn't give me what I want, instead of hate, hide, attack, which are very understandable feelings, beyond that is, Look inward, look outward, move forward. How can I find people in places who have lived through what I'm going through so that I can find the answers to get to where I want to go because I know I can get there? But it starts with recognizing this truth, which helps us to untangle the emotions from rejection. And when we untangle the emotions, then we don't get caught in the shame circle and the shame cycle. And that's that's why I, I love, you know, I love rejection because it's so much deeper. <laughs> it's like. It's like the flux capacitor, the universal rejection truth. You know, yeah. it's like once you and once you start playing with it, and once you start examining it and talking to other people, oh man, it's like it's just wild. The the world opens up, and people see that they can get wherever they want to go, no matter who they are or where they're from.
0: That. But- that's a powerful stuff, brother. And that's, and that is why you have, you are the rejection expert. Uh, and it is uh, it is so powerful to hear you speak about it because we are masters of building barriers in our own way. The world has put enough barriers in front of us, um, but for us to then have the audacity to build more barriers and, and decide to to put make them in sense. our own way, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, but you know, when you're good at something,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, but still, I'm, I know, man. And then,
1: yeah. and then, and then colleges, you know, colleges going, going back to that, it's like the most exciting time in so many people's lives. You know, I, the college part isn't as important to me as the idea that you get to go from like, you know, 18 to 22 or mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, 17 to 22. And you get to answer the question, what do I want? You know, like, what do I want? Yeah. And you get to experiment with figuring that out and when you experiment with it man it is brutal i got a teenage daughter you know like she's she's 15 and man watching the emotional struggles and just the normal natural changes but to be there and to be like hey you know you can laugh at this we can smile at this we can find the love that's why when you're doing orientation and you're and you're talking to all these students who are kind of a little scared who are almost you know, looking around going, what's my place? What's my role? They don't even know what they want. They just want a friend. They just want somebody to eat lunch with. So they feel a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And then to get them to think even beyond that is just, is just awesome, man. I love it. And you're great at it.
0: It is, it, it is super powerful, uh, to, especially, you know, like you said, an orientation for you to, to be thinking, so you're sitting there in the auditorium or whatever on the Zoom call, uh, whatever right. happens. <laughs> but you're sitting there thinking, I'm the only person who has this much fear and insecurity about what I'm about to walk into. And then you turn and say hi to the person next to you and realize, oh wait, they have the same amount of fear as I do. Um, no, I and it's just this beautiful, beautiful moment of of uh, of connection. And then it's making yeah. the choice of like, all right, well, the two of us feel it, and we all probably feel it. So. Let's just hold hands and walk into this experiment together, um, as opposed to let's run from it and uh, send passive-aggressive tweets. Um, so, yeah. uh, or or whatever. And so, well, yeah. When people get uncomfortable, I mean, you saw this as an RA. It's
1: like you know, when we get uncomfortable, what do we do? You know, it's like we 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 attack or we hide. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's how do you how do you get them to get comfortable with the uncomfortable so that they instead of attacking or hiding can actually be like, wow, like I'm feeling, I'm feeling some really big feelings. This is a big change. It's social change an emotional change, a physical change, a financial change an academic change. And, um, you know, no matter it's, it's not a surprise that it's uncomfortable, you know? So uh, I'm curious, man. I I know that you were an RA at Fordham and Lincoln center. You're, you're Fordham Lincoln center, right? That's where I, uh, I was,
0: I was a hall director
1: there. Yeah. 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 I was an RA
0: down in uh, North Carolina.
1: So yeah. as a call director, um, I have a niece who's going to um, who's going to school there. He's going to be at the Fordham campus, and um, I'm excited for her. And one of the things is I subscribe to this philosophy of when I want something, people places patience. You know, it's always when you want something and you don't know. It's people places patience. So if you were to offer a hack, because being in New York City, being on that campus, it's a different whole different game. Um, what would you, what are like, I'm going to give you three things if you could do this. I know it's your show, but if you can give me like, what are three tips for a student who's in New York City, who's in that environment, who's starting off, what are three things that they could do to help themselves to navigate that change?
0: Three things that they can do to help navigate uh, that change. Uh, I I think first, uh, hop on a subway and, and just start exploring, right? Like just become comfortable with your surroundings, uh, especially, I don't know if you're uh, if you said it's your niece. Yeah. 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 If your niece is going, I don't know if they're at the Rose Hill campus, which is in the Bronx uh, or if they're at Lincoln center, which is that- down. Manhattan. They're at Lincoln yeah. Center. Yeah. So, um, so you don't even need to get on a subway then, right. They just start walking around, uh, right. Two blocks away from central park, a block away from, uh, the Met, right. And all these incredible, uh, places, Lincoln Center, I should say. Um, and, and so first it's just to walk around and realize that like, This is a gigantic city, and it's actually one of the safest places to be. Um, Right? Like, this is a really beautiful place. Um, It is a melting pot. And in New York City, a lot of times people get sheltered by their own little 20 block radius that they come up with. Like, I never go below 14th Street, or I never go above 57th, or or stuff like that. Right? Like, no, you got to, you are in the capital of the world. Uh, You need to plan out that you could literally eat in a new restaurant every single day of the year and probably probably never run out of restaurants because of the turnover of restaurants. Um, Right. Like you could just keep eating in new restaurants in New York City, um, especially if you expand into five boroughs. Um, Next is uh, make sure that uh, the next thing that I would say to do is uh, is to be curious Be authentically curious about those around you. Uh, You are living in the melting pot. uh, And so how are you experiencing new food? How are you experiencing uh, new conversations? How are you experiencing new people? Uh, It's very easy It's very easy to think that like, oh, of course, I'm I'm all about diversity. Look at where I live. It's a diverse place. It's like, no, you can be some of the most ignorant people that I know and closed minded people I know are surrounded by a whole bunch of people that look different than them because they've never chose to make uh, to engage. Um, And the last thing I would say is uh, the key to any first year of college is to eat as much free pizza as you can and get as many free t-shirts as you can. Because if you did that, that means you went to the most programs, the most events, you you uh, tried the most things out. Um, and so it is a competition. Eat the most free <laughs> pizza that you can and go and try to get the most free t-shirts because that means you showed up and you didn't just hang out in your home. Oh, that's a great angle.
1: I love that. I, I tell people to eat free food because, you know,
0: I, I'll i tell them, you know,
1: spiritual groups are great because you get free food and, you know, they're nice people. And even if you're not into God, you can eat free food. I um, but I like the whole mm-hmm. thing of uh, I like that because because if you have gone to those places, if you have your T-shirts and free food, you've you've met yeah. people. Yeah,
0: exactly. And That's I mean, great. how can you leave college and not want a t-shirt quilt? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> That's great. I love that.
0: Yeah. You know, Harlan, it's so, uh, it's so funny because I, I mentioned this in the introductions that, you know, I have known of you for quite some time because The Naked Roommate came out. Uh, what year, what year did that come out? Was it oh? 405? Oh, five, man. Oh, five. Yeah. It so time. it came, it came out right when I graduated, uh, the year that I graduated undergrad, cause I took a victory lap in undergrad, no shame in the five-year plan. Um, and the year that I transitioned into going, uh, to graduate school for higher education. And so I, I was getting a master's at Clemson so I could work in higher ed as an administrator. And it was, so your book came out at this pivotal point where everybody was talking about it. It was really exciting. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you were uh, you were this individual who was like, "Oh God, who's this guy who's changing the whole game out here uh, and writing this book?" and it was it's so special uh, to have humanized you. <laughs> Uh, right and you're not just this guy who wrote this New York Times bestseller um, but there is so much brilliance and wisdom and and I'm so excited for you because you just had a book that came out uh, around this concept of rejection right it's called win or learn the naked truth everything about Harlan's naked he's naked right now I know you can't see him but uh, win or learn the naked truth about turning every rejection into your ultimate success I love that you are still out here writing and changing the game Um, and you as a rejection expert uh, wrote this book who is who is this book for is it for anybody is it is it for yeah. the youth market i mean i would assume we can all learn something from rejection and have learned something from rejection but i'm curious tell us a little bit about this book and who yeah. it's for
1: yeah thanks thanks for thanks for the softball question and thanks for sharing it i i love this book cuz it was rejected for so many years and it has had so many different it's been in so many different forms and one of the be- one of the biggest rejections happened in new york city um, I think it was with Broadway Books, and I had this meeting, and man, I was so excited, and oh, they hated it. And um, even the editorial assistant said, you know, you might do well if you walked uh, through a bookstore, and just like looked at some of the titles on the shelves. And I, I found that to be really good advice. Uh, <laughs> and then I went down to Chevys. Uh, there was a, the Mexican. I like, I like uh, Mexican food. Sure. Yeah. And Chevys was was down. I think it was Chevys. Yeah. There's a big one, right? They're not too far, and I drown my sorrows in some, in some nachos. Um, but man, that was, that was pretty brutal. But this whole rejection concept, this book, uh, it's it's really for everyone. It's for anyone who wants something. It's for anyone who has a goal, anyone who wants to create change or experience something that excites them. Cuz I'm a firm believer that we should all be excited about something. Mm-hmm. Cuz when we're not excited about something, then we tend to not have hope and when you're not someone who has hope, you tend to be hopeless and that's just not a great way to live life. So when you want something, you have something to look forward to. And I think that a lot of us have been beaten and bruised the past year. Uh you know, people are are a little bit uh, I think, timid when it comes to wanting and wanting big. Because if we share what we want and it's big and bold, other people are going to know what we want. And if we share what we want and we end up not getting it, then we're going to feel shame because of the rejection that goes hand in hand with wanting and either getting it or not getting it. Uh, so what I want to do is to, you know, offer an a easy solution. This book is so simple to read. I actually have a copy right here. There are pictures Okay. Look, oh, yeah, picture it's book. pictures. It's like double spaced. It looks like you had a term <laughs> paper and we're trying to just like pat it with some stuff,
0: <laughs> but margins I, are way in every new font. Like a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the style of this book is
1: you read it in a couple hours and it, this book offers a very simple guide. What do you want? What do you want? What do you really want? What do you want to create experience or change? Do you have anything, James, you want to create experience or change?
0: Uh, I have a book that I'm uh, working on a proposal for actually. So you're
1: creating that and that's exciting. And you're going to put your heart and soul into this book and people are either going to want to publish it or they're not, right? You want to get a publisher, right? Mm, Ideally. Yeah. And if not, then you'll publish it. Right, You'll figure out a way to publish it and get it out there because because mm-hmm. people will will love to hear it and see it. But the thing is, when you want something bad enough, you invest emotionally. You know, it's like you're I know you're in a relationship. Uh, you, you, you have a child mm-hmm. and uh, and, uh, you know, you were single at one point. And I'm sure when you were single, you wanted a date. Right. Sure. Oh, yeah. Desperately. And did you, did you desperately? <laughs> <laughs> me too. me, too. And, and, and do you remember a time when you wanted a date? And you took a risk and you got rejected. Oh yeah. Is there a person's, is there a particular name or someone we can, we can we go in the oh, time? Debbie. Let's
0: call it Debbie, Debbie. Sure. Yeah.
1: And then what did you say to Debbie? Uh,
0: post rejection or pre rejection, pre rejection. What was your line? What was your approach? Pre rejection. We had been friends. Um, I'm someone who uh, was friendly, much like you had a lot of people that thought I was very funny. Um, and was very well liked, but, uh, was never necessarily seen as someone who was uh, sexually attractive uh, and and whatnot. (laughs) And so this is, you know, these are the stories that I wrote myself. Um, And so, yeah, so uh, but yeah, so but Debbie and I were friends and I was always helping her with the other guys that she liked. And then one day I said, you know, Debbie, I help you with a lot of other guys, but I got to be honest with you, there's there's always part of me that never wants it to work out because I really like you and I would like to date you. And I don't know if you would ever want to date me. And I kind of, I did the thing where you put it all out on the table and uh, you know, it's mixed emotion, mixed emotions on when you should do that or not. But I showed my cards.
1: And what did she respond with?
0: She said, uh, she said, uh, Robo is what she called me. No, she said, Robo. I, uh, I love you and I care deeply about you. I just don't see you that way. And I hope that's Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Ugh, that's hard and then did your friendship change
0: uh it did but fortunately she was eventually she was going to college within like a handful of months uh and so it didn't have to yeah i would say that i i did not go over there as much after that yeah so, but, but i, did, you I yeah, it still was did really you regret doing it do you have any regrets over that uh i don't it's kind of a shoot your shot moment yeah and it was uh, yeah it was embarrassing but you know nobody else saw it. nobody else had to know about it and i knew i knew she cared about me enough that it wasn't gonna be like next day like oh my god guess who as me out as if um right? right like so uh i knew i knew that she cared about me and i, I felt uh it was kind of like let's let's give this a shot right
1: well i think you're a hero thanks and I mean, really man, like I mean, that's the <laughs> hardest thing to do. And and now you know in your relationship and where you are in life that you know it wasn't Debbie wasn't it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you 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 know there's resolution and you're still good enough and worthy and deserving It's just that it wasn't with this person for whatever reason. And it's like, that's the thing that's so hard, especially when it comes to things we want. The more we want, the more emotion that's tied to what we want, the harder it is to say what we think and express how we feel. Mm -hmm. And that's what this book is about. That's what the whole approach is about. It's like, what do you want to create, change your experience? What's really important to you? And then when you put yourself out there, it's going to be uncomfortable and you know, it's either going to work out or it's not going to work out the way you want. But what if you could take a risk and know that no matter what, you're going to be okay, and that's the win or learn philosophy. Nelson Mandela's quote is I never lose, I either win or I learn. Yeah. and that philosophy of you learn, man, you learn that she didn't want you in that way, and you know what that opened you up to be able to open your heart and to be able to find other people who you can share your gift with. And I know you know this, but this is the way that we need to think about it so that we don't shut down and hide when we don't get what we want. And that's it. So it's, what do you want? What makes you uncomfortable? And then when you don't know answers, you find people in places who are living the life you want to live. You reach out to those people. You connect with those people. You uh, tell your story as if it's happened. You tell a positive story, a hopeful story, a happy story. And no matter what happens, you celebrate, reflect and repeat. And once you can go through this process and have it be Something that's just automatic, like a reflex. What do I want? What makes me uncomfortable? People places patients, tell my story, celebrate, reflect, repeat. Boom, 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 boom. You do it again and again and again in all different parts of our life, you become unstoppable. And when you're armed with the universal rejection truth, that's the cape. You know, that's the secret sauce. That's Mm -hmm. the thing that no one ever tells us about that makes it okay to be rejected and to know you're good enough. If you walk into a room and you're a nine and someone isn't interested in you, you could walk out of there a nine point one, right? Most people walk out of one, but they are still that nine. They're still that nine. So anyway, that's that's what the book does. And um, we're doing it for like leadership groups, for colleges, universities. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're jumping on board. There's a 25 day risk taking experiment I put together on my um, my YouTube channel. And uh, I'm going to be running another one. Uh, because, you know, this is it, man. This is life. This is the essence. This is the nectar. This is the marrow. This mm. is the stuff that makes this is the stuff that makes tomorrow brighter and better. I've I've never put that sequence together before it sounded like it. But I love this. I love it. Because, man, we are all so worthy and deserving. And there's so much goodness out there. Uh, I just want to help people find it. That's it.
0: That's beautiful. This is the marrow of tomorrow, my friend. (laughs) Uh, I like it. (laughs) And uh, we speakers are nothing without our word packages. Mm -hmm. But Harlan, I am pumped. I I ordered the book. It's on the way to the house. I'm excited to read it. And and uh, also I'm scared to read it. But, you know, in a good like good that good fear. And uh, so, yeah, and I am so honored that you uh wanted to kick it with me here in the diner my brother i look yeah, forward man. to now that the the world is opening up a little bit i can't wait to come down to Shatown and do this in real life uh at tony's over there on belmont and whatever and i can't wait <laughs> belmont, i know you're wrapping this up but it's belmont and damon belmont <laughs> and damon uh that's fine you ruined the joke but it's all good um <laughs> No, seriously, brother, I cannot, uh, I, I cannot thank you enough for our, our new friendship and I'm excited to dive deeper into it in the, in the coming years. And thank you brother for coming to the diner today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Feelings are mutual. Thanks, James. Excited, excited to,
0: uh, to be on this journey with you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. My friends, that was my guy, Harlan Cohen, kicking it in the diner. My goodness. Y'all, that was a wonderful conversation. I had questions written down. I only asked one of them because that's the power of a beautiful conversation with a man who makes you think. And that's what I have always loved about Harlan Cohen. He has a way of asking questions, of sharing philosophies and thoughts uh, that are just, just a little bit different than what you've heard before. And enough that they're like, "Huh, I need to give this more thought. And he is a true example of a phrase that you know I love to end every diner talks with. And that is this, my friends. Keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. You all take care. Thanks for kicking it in the diner. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. (laughs) (laughs) If you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, (laughs) come on now. You're going to make me blush. (laughs) Also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, While we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.